Good morning, church. Grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to this time of worship together at Faith Community United Methodist Church. It's good to be with you this morning. I'd invite you to sign the attendance pads that are in the pews. Uh, Fill those out, pass those along with those worshiping with you next to you this morning so that we have a record of your presence here with us in worship this morning. Thank you to Jean for, for playing the, the piano these past couple of weeks. Uh, Carol is going to be back next week, um, and she, she's not gone anywhere. She's just been taking a couple of weeks off, and, and we're appreciative to, to Jean for filling in while she's been gone so that Carol could uh, get some rest and, and some time away. Uh, the uh, picnic is tomorrow for the uh, men of faith and the United Methodist Women at the Historical Society. The announcement about that is, is in the bulletin, so... Make sure you take a look at that and plan for that for tomorrow. The Festival of Sharing is coming up. We need those kits, the the health kits and the school kits, uh, back by September 14th. And there's information in your bulletin about that as well for putting those kits together. Uh, The Taste of Stephen Ministry is coming up next Sunday. If you have been thinking about uh, being a Stephen minister or wanting to learn more about that, Uh, There's an opportunity for you to do that next Sunday following the second service at noon. There will be a taste of Stephen ministry, some some light food, and some uh, information about the Stephen ministry program, what it means to be a Stephen minister, and what's involved in that. So if you would like to be a part of that taste of Stephen ministry, the information is in the bulletin about signing up for that. The uh, Disciple Bible Study is beginning this Tuesday evening. Uh, but I've also had some, uh, some people express interest in having a daytime Disciple Bible Study program. So if you have been interested in Disciple Bible Study, but you didn't sign up because it's an evening class, I'd like you to let me know that. Uh, if we have enough people, we'll put together a daytime class as well. So just let me know if you're interested in a daytime Disciple Bible Study uh, program. And uh, we are here to worship God this morning. So I invite you to stand as you're able and join with me in the call to worship printed in the bulletin. Number 577. God of grace and God of glory on thy
As you remain standing, please join responsively in the call to worship. God is gracious and merciful and trustworthy. Let us join our voices in giving thanks. The words of God are all around us. Those who share in God's work lack for nothing. We are called to faithfulness as God is faithful. We are people of the covenant gathered to please God. Holy and awesome is God's name. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Come then as wise and faithful people. Come as a beloved community of the redeemed. We are that God remembers us. We reach out to the God who cares for us. Please be seated. And I would invite you to continue with me in the opening prayer, which is printed in the bulletin. Let us pray. God of steadfast love, your works delight our hearts and expand our thoughts. Your grace and mercy draw us together to praise you and to celebrate your wonderful deeds. Dwell among us today and reign within the lives of each one gathered here helping us to grow in discernment and understanding. Grant wisdom and courage that we may walk in your ways and keep your commandments. Amen. Our prayer hymn is in the hymnals number 451, and we will sing this together as we prepare for our time of prayer this morning. Be thou my vision. Let us sing together. be our vision. That is our prayer. That is our plea. That is why we come to this place, to this time, so that you can be our vision. We are so easily 
distracted, Lord. We are so often led astray. So many other voices vying for our attention, so many other messages that have nothing to do with you or your ways. Lord, calm those other voices, shut them out, and just let us see the path that you have laid before us. For we know that your path is the path of righteousness. Your way is the way of life. And so, Lord, we come to seek you, to follow you in all of our ways. Lord, we pray for one another in our times of need. We pray for others that are weighing on our hearts this morning who are going through difficult circumstances, those who are facing physical trials, those who are struggling emotionally and spiritually, those who are uncertain financially, whatever their trials may be, Lord, nothing is beyond your power. And so we simply give ourselves and our loved ones over to you, trusting in your mercy, trusting in your sovereign grace. Be upon us this morning, Lord, in this time of worship, that our hearts may be filled with your love, that our lives might be directed by your spirit. We pray this for ourselves, for one another, for this entire church, that we would truly be your church, your holy people, redeemed by Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. It is in his name that we offer our worship and our prayers as we offer to you now the prayer that he teaches us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. invite the ushers to come forward now to receive the plates as we offer ourselves to God with the giving of our tithes and offerings.
please join me in the prayer of dedication. Your generosity, O God, is beyond our deserving. You grant health to our bodies and minds. You surround us with vast resources and with people who love us. You allow us to make decisions about the use of our time and possessions and relationships. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to share with others some of what we have received. Help us to use all our gifts as you intend. Amen. Please be seated. Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of 1 Kings, chapter 3, verses 3 through 14. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, only he sacrificed and offered incense at the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the principal high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God asked, ask what I should give you. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you, and you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Although I am only a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a great people, so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil, for who can govern this your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, I now do according to your word. Indeed, I give you a wise and discerning mind. No one like you has been before you and no one like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor all your life. No other king shall compare with you. If you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your life. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.
If you could have anything that you wished for, what would it be? We've all been asked that question before. I'm sure at one time or another you've considered what your request might be. I hesitate to bring that question up. We preachers do need to remind people on a regular basis that God is not a fairy godmother or a genie in a bottle. You can't just ask God for anything and and expect to get exactly what you want. And yet, Jesus does say, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Elsewhere, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Still elsewhere, he says, whatever you ask for in prayer with faith, you will receive. All of those sound very much like a God who grants wishes. In all of those promises that Jesus made, though, about receiving what you asked for, there is a caveat that you have to be asking in faith, that you have to be abiding in him. That doesn't mean, as some have made it out, that if you don't get whatever you ask for, then that means that your faith isn't strong enough. Rather, it means that as we abide in Christ, as we grow in our faith, Our requests, our desires, our our prayerful pleas are guided by the Holy Spirit so that what we are asking for is the same as what God is offering. But then there are passages, such as our reading for today from 1 Kings, in, in which there are no conditions placed upon the request. God comes to Solomon in a dream and says, ask what I should give you. No preconditions, No qualifications, no limits placed upon it, simply a straightforward offer. Ask whatever you want me to give you. Now, of course, there's no guarantee here that Solomon will actually get what he asked for. It could be that God was simply testing Solomon to see what what he would request. God never says, ask whatever you want and I promise to give it to you, no matter what. God simply says, tell me what you want from me. If you could have anything, what would it be? Not saying that you'll actually get it, but let's hear your request. I learned a long time ago when my kids asked me, can you do me a favor, that I answer them, well, tell me what the favor is, and I'll tell you if I can do it. That's all God says here directly. Tell me what you would ask of me. No promise that Solomon's actually going to get it. But let's set that point aside for a moment. Let's assume that God is making a straightforward offer here to Solomon to give him whatever he asked for. That he could make one request of God and it would be done no matter what. What would you ask for if you were in that position? Before answering that, let's understand what Solomon's position actually was. Solomon was the son of King David and Bathsheba. David was a great king. The Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. He was loved by his people. Under his command, the kingdom of Israel spread both in size and in strength. It was recognized as one of the great nations of the world, and and David as one of the great leaders of the world. However, because of David's sin with Bathsheba, God had decreed that David would not be allowed to build the temple. It would 
be David's successor who would be given the honor of building the temple where God would dwell among his people. That successor was Solomon. In 1 Kings 3, King David has recently died. Solomon has just ascended to the throne. He's still quite young, although not really a child. In the conversation with God, he says, I'm only a little child, not knowing how to go out or come in. But that's an expression of humility more than it is a statement of his age. He's acknowledging that he is young and he's inexperienced and he's not at all prepared for a task as daunting as leading one of the great nations of the earth and God's chosen people besides. The passage starts off by telling us that Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of his father David only or except he sacrificed and offered incense at the high places. That's a big accept. It can be hard for us to understand today what the big deal was in that, offering sacrifices and incense at the high places. After all, we know that God is everywhere, and that you can worship God anywhere, whether you worship in a sanctuary or in a community center or out in an open field. Worship is worship, as long as the one true God is at the center of it. So why not worship at the high places? The problem is that the high places refers to those mountaintop shrines where the Canaanite people have for centuries been making sacrifices to the false gods. The high places were places for worshiping idols. The Hebrew people had been commanded not to offer sacrifices at the high places because to do so could easily lead to idolatry. Even if they were making sacrifices to the Lord, before long they would also begin making sacrifices to the other so-called gods who were worshipped in those same locations. God had given instructions for the building of a temple in Jerusalem where he and he alone would be worshipped. And until that temple could be built, God had given the people instructions for a tabernacle, which was like a a portable, temporary mini-temple modeled after what the true temple would look like. He told them to stay away from the high places so that their worship wouldn't get all mixed up with the idolatrous practices of the people who had been in the land and offering these sacrifices to false gods for centuries before them. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except he sacrificed and offered incense at the high places. That's a big except. Even if he wasn't sacrificing to false gods at the time, it's still a big accept. It's walking a fine line. It's disregarding a command of God. It's doing things the way everybody else was doing them instead of how God said to do them. Solomon was supposed to be constructing the true temple in Jerusalem, but he hadn't gotten around to it yet. Instead, he was focused on building his own expansive palace, all the while offering worship in the same places and according to the same practices as those who did not know God. So we need to understand up front that even at the beginning of this passage, even at the outset of his reign, Solomon was no model of perfect faith. He was not faultless in his devotion to God, and he was not far advanced in wisdom when it came to discerning right from wrong. The saving grace for Solomon in all of this is that he knew it. He recognized it. 
I mean, he might not have recognized exactly what he was doing wrong, otherwise he wouldn't have done it, but at least he recognized that he wasn't as wise as he needed to be. That's a big deal. To be able to recognize your shortcomings, to acknowledge where it is that you need help, and to be willing to ask for it. Solomon asked God for an understanding mind, able to discern between good and evil. Which means that he recognized he wasn't always able to discern between good and evil on his own. He knew that he made mistakes in his judgments. He knew that he could be led down the wrong path. Oh, for every leader to be able to admit even that much. To be willing to confess that we are lost without God. And if God doesn't bless us with his wisdom, then we will inevitably lead others astray. But let's back up for for just a moment. Before Solomon made this request of God, God came to Solomon and made this offer. Ask what I should give you. Let's not overlook the implications of this. We've already established that Solomon was not perfect in his devotion that he was worshiping in places and by means that were not right according to God's word. In short, Solomon was a sinner, just like all the rest of us. So let's not get the idea that God chose Solomon to be king because Solomon was excessively righteous, or even that Solomon was more wise than the people around him. The wisdom for which Solomon received so much credit was not actually Solomon's wisdom at all. It was God's wisdom. It was given to Solomon as a gift from God. God did not choose Solomon to be king because he was righteous or wise. God simply chose Solomon and then gave him what he needed in order to carry out his calling. It's kind of the same thing that we saw when we looked at the story of Samson. God chose Samson to carry out his plan to deliver God's people from the Philistines, even though Samson was a man of very questionable character guilty of all kinds of heinous sins that we would consider disqualifying of someone in a leadership position. Solomon was not quite that bad. At least Solomon loved God. At least Solomon was trying to walk in the statutes of his father David. At least Solomon wanted to do the right thing. The point is, though, well-intentioned as he may have been, try as he might, Solomon still messed up. He messed up in some big, important ways. And yet, God chose him. God called him. God came to him and offered to give him whatever he asked for, whatever he needed. That's the thing. God doesn't wait for us to get ourselves all cleaned up and perfect before he decides to use us. He calls us to his purpose in spite of whatever mistakes we might be making or whatever we are getting wrong at the time. And make no mistake about it, there is something that even you are getting wrong right now. Not one person among us is perfect in our devotion. You know that verse where the Bible says, Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of his father David, except? Well, every one of us here has and accept in our lives. 
Every one of us has some sin that we are either turning a blind eye to or making excuses for, but God works through us anyway. If God didn't work through faulty and sinful people, who would God have left to work through? God said to Solomon, ask what I should give you. That offer was not made based on any merit on Solomon's part. It was an act of God's grace. God was offering to give Solomon whatever he needed to fulfill the task before him. And he does the same with us. Whatever it is that you need, for whatever it is that's before you, God already knows. God already knows, and he says, ask what I should give you. So what are you going to ask for? Solomon asked for an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. He asked for that because he knew that was lacking and that he needed that discernment in order to be the leader that God called him to be. Solomon was not wise in and of himself, but he was at least wise enough to know that he wasn't wise enough to be the leader of God's people. God commended Solomon on his request. He says that because Solomon asked for discernment to govern wisely rather than riches or long life or for the life of his enemies, God would give him what he had requested and what he did not request. He would be a wise and a great king, and he would also be wealthy and beyond measure, and he would be honored above all other kings. That is, in fact, what happened. Under Solomon's rule, the kingdom continued to expand far beyond what it had ever been under David's rule. As a matter of fact, the nation of Israel was larger under the leadership of King Solomon than in any other time in all of history. Never since the days of Solomon has the boundaries of Israel been so expansive. And his wealth was indeed immeasurable. He, he hadn't asked for any of that, although he could have. Solomon could have asked for riches or fame or long life. But that doesn't mean that God would have given it to him. As I said earlier, God didn't promise up front to grant Solomon's request. If he had asked for riches for himself instead of wisdom to govern God's people, God still could have said, nope, sorry. I just wanted to see what you'd asked for. Since you proved to be so selfish, I'm not giving you a thing. Not that that's what God had in mind to do, but he could have. But since Solomon made a selfless and a wise request, God said he would give him everything, both what he had asked for and what he didn't ask for. Now be careful. This doesn't mean that just by craftily asking for the right thing, we can get everything that we want in the deal. Like if I ask, if I ask God for what I know I'm supposed to ask for instead of what I really want, then God will reward me by giving me what I really want. God can't be fooled, and it doesn't work that way. No one is promised worldly wealth or material blessings just for saying the right things. We're not even promised worldly wealth or material possessions for even for believing the right things, for having a strong faith. What God does promise us is everything that we need. 
everything that we need. Going back to what Jesus said on the matter, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives. And for everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if your child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God knows what you need. God knows what you need even better than you know what you need. He's simply waiting for you to realize it, to acknowledge your need of Him, to recognize that without Him you can do nothing, to admit that without Him you are nothing. When we turn to Him in that humility, requesting that which can come only from Him, then He gives it, and so much more. More than the strength to endure, more than the wisdom to lead faithfully, more than the faith to overcome all the challenges of this life. He gives us that, yes, but He also gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us salvation. He gives us eternal life in His glorious presence. He gives us the keys to the kingdom. A kingdom that is beyond compare. Thanks be to God. Amen. I invite you now to stand as you are able for our closing hymn, which is in the hymnals number 530. Are ye able? Let us sing together.
Yes, we are able. We are able only because of His grace. Only because He gives us all that we need to follow wherever He leads. So go now in His glorious radiance. In the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.